0: good evening good evening everyone glad that you guys are here excited about the day excited about spring market um, just happy to be here check in check in the comments section let me know that you're here Keith is saying hello um, check in. Let me know how you're doing, how you're feeling, uh, what questions that you guys may have. Go ahead and put them there. Also, put in the put in the comment section for me. What are this? What are some of the things that you want more clarity on, or or me to to talk about? Some of the things that you may be lacking. Nikki is here. Hey, Nikki. Iris. Jasmine, um, Demille. Oh, I think Demille is here for that money. I think I'm gonna give out that money tonight, Demille. I think I'm get ready. Get your calculator ready, Demille. I got money for you. Um, all right, Miss Tate is in the house. Hey, Miss Tate. Miss Tate is in the house. All right. Um, put put in the comment section. What what is, what are some topics that you want me to discuss? I I, I did receive a lot of. <clears throat> Not a lot, but some emails from you guys. Um, and so um, I'll go over those questions that you guys sent in um, yesterday and today. Uh, <clears throat> all right. The mail is saying um, best buy and hold zip codes. Okay. <clears throat> all right. So we'll go over that. Um, let's say Nikki is saying when partnering with other investors, what do you consider to be a fair split? Okay. All right, so I'll go over, let me just start, let me go ahead and start answering these questions so that we don't run out of time. <clears throat> and again, you guys, if you have um, some things that either questions that you have or more clarity, um, go, go ahead and put them in the comment section. I'll start answering the questions so we don't run out of time. And then I'll go to um, the questions that you guys emailed in. All right. So so the is saying um, is asking best buy and hold zip codes. All right. So let me let me clarify this um, in terms of buy and holds, I like to buy and hold in areas where I can um, either buy low and rent high. Um, I also like buying in areas where I can um, start off with a good cash flow and get appreciation. And so we've gone over this before, but I will tell you guys, especially if you're a newer investor, that finding a great deal in Baltimore is probably what you want to do. Um, If you guys are taking notes or just take a mental note on this, um, Baltimore, Maryland, and we're lucky to be here, Baltimore, Maryland is the number one residential residential rental area in the United States, Baltimore, Maryland. And it's because you can buy low and, and rent high. And Section 8 rents, rents com- comparably high for the amount of money that um, you have to put out and, and buy the houses for. And so um, Baltimore, the negative part about Baltimore is you're not gonna get um, that much appreciation, which means you've gotta buy those properties in Baltimore, you know, uh, well below market. So you're buying um, the equity, you're buying the equity, you're buying the properties right. And so you're you're buying with equity. And then you're renting out most of the properties that I rent out, I try to start to be honest with you. I, I try to start at um, $1,000 a month in positive cash flow, somewhere between 800 and $1,000 a month in positive cash flows is where I try to start. And so the areas in Baltimore to answer the zip codes, to answer the, the meal, the answer to your question, really the is in Baltimore, All all the zip codes are good. You just have to go and do the research in the zip code to see what areas of the zip code are good, what areas are bad. We're not we're not buying and holding um, where there's a lot of board ups. We're buying and holding um, where we're generally buying in areas where you can buy for let's say somewhere between I'll say forty thousand dollars up to eighty thousand dollars. That's what we're buying on streets where there's no board ups. My my model is to buy row houses. Um, as most of you guys know, I like buying row houses. I like buying interior units. Um, and and again, I, I like renting to section eight tenants, voucher holders. Um, somebody tell me, put in the comment section why I like that model. Why do I like row houses? Why do I like interior units? Um, somebody put in put in the comment section. Let's see who's been paying attention to me. I like interior units. So, um, and somebody somebody'll tell me why I, I say that. Now, two one two one eight I like is my I like in Baltimore. That's um, that's like Charles Village area. I like two one two one three. That's um. Belair Edison. I was in 21201 yesterday. Um in um uh, r- r- right right before you get to um Charles Village. Um all right, so th- so these guys are answering my question. May is saying less maintenance, Allison is saying less maintenance, James Bynum, no outside maintenance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. interior units less yard, less windows. And so that those are the reasons why. I mean, when you're renting, you guys, what kills you on rentals is two things. Um, maintenance costs kills you, eats into your profits, but then also vacancies. And so um, to mitigate the vacancies, one thing that I've learned is I try to renovate my properties as if I'm going to flip the property. I used to put um, used appliances. I don't do that anymore because they just turn over. So I put used appliances in there, and six months, a year later, I've got to go back and replace them. Um, so I put in brand new appliances. Um, I put in washer and dryers. There was a time on my rentals I didn't do it. And so I, I found that I saved money spending a little more money up front. Renovating houses. A lot of my platinum coaching students have seen my properties in Baltimore, my last two renovations, and I rent I renovated them as if I was going to flip the properties. I put in real hardwood floors because I don't want to have to go um back a year or two from now and replace the flooring. Um I'm starting to lean um towards not putting in carpet because I don't want to have to replace the carpet. Um, I put in granite. I do put in stainless steel. I try to make them nice and attractive so they get rented out pretty quickly. And the tenant wants to stay there. So I've had Section 8 tenants that have been in my properties. I've got a property in Annapolis where that tenant has been there. The same tenant has been there maybe five years, five or six years now. And so I want them there. And I've had very, very little maintenance done on that property. Um, but 2121 um, two, one, two, two, nine Edmondson. I have properties there. And so the man, I'm just really telling you the properties that I have. Um, I, I like, um, I can't remember the zip code, but I like, um, the Northeast section, um, off of Northern Avenue, um, bond secure area. I have properties there. And so I went all the way up. I gave you guys a window of 40 to 80,000 up there in bond secure. I bought for eighty. I bought that property for eighty thousand. Um, I put in maybe ten fifteen thousand. After repair value, there is two hundred thousand. So I bought with over hundred thousand dollars in equity. But um, my note on that, I don't think that I combined that note. Maybe I did, but I think my note on that is like maybe six hundred dollars a month, and it's renting for seventeen hundred. Um, Section eight, and that and and honestly, that tenant has been in maybe a year, haven't heard a peep out of her, haven't heard anything. And I think it's because we renovated it right. Um, I renovated it as if I was going to flip the property. Um, I, I, I I did get asked the question a while ago, Gary asked me a question, do I put backsplash in my rentals? And I And I do, you don't have to, but I try to make mine look really nice because it's a business. Each house is a business and you guys have to look at it as a business. You've got to take care of it like it's your business. Um, And if you take care of that business, that business, each house will generate revenue for you for the rest of your life, the rest of your children's life, the rest of your grandchildren's life if you take care of it. So so really take care of of each property. Now, I do have buy and holds in DC and I will tell you Demille, the um um 21219, no I'm sorry. 20019 Deanwood um I have properties there. I like Deanwood for rentals. I would highly suggest to you guys. I won't give you the zip codes. I'll just give you the subdivisions. If you're looking to buy for equity and appreciation, um, that's DC. And in my opinion, what's if you were to ask me what's the up up and coming areas in DC, I would say um Deanwood, but that's like everybody already knows that. People are already flocking there. That's two that's I would say also uh, River Terrace, which technically it's called Lily Lily Ponds. But you know, from DC, we call it um, River Terrace. And so I would, I would buy in River Terrace right now. I almost had one in River Terrace. I would buy in Deanwood, But then I would also buy in like um, Congress Heights. That's 20032 as a buy and hold. That same, that same row house, interior unit. Um, Gary just bought one in Fort DuPont. Um, that's 20020, Fort DuPont, Randall Heights, and in, in DC. And so those areas are really starting to appreciate. Deanwood is appreciating at 70% in the last three or four years, 70%, you guys. Um, so if you're looking for equity and appreciation, that's DC. Um, and those are the zip codes. And so, um, Charvita is saying on the rentals, if you take good care of them, you rent them, uh, renovate them correctly, um, they stay longer, and and they make them nice. And oftentimes, they they take ownership in them mentally. They take ownership in your in your buying hole in your properties. It's like it's theirs. They protect it. They take ownership in there. It's great shelter for them. And so they so your tenants take care of your property, You make sure. You take care of them too. The second one of my tenants called me. I I'm there. Like I I've got staff, but I'm there. I want to make sure that they're happy. Um, This one lady, I I um on the way to her house, I brought I stopped at Krispy Kreme and and brought her a dozen donuts because I want her happy. She's protecting my investment. She will protect. They will protect your investment. All right. So Charvita is saying that she puts granite in hers. Um, Iris is asking if you purchase a property for forty thousand dollars, and that and and that's the total price. And, and what is an average repair cost uh, for a board up? So the average price. Let me just put her question up here. Um, her question is, "What's the average?" And so I don't. So a forty thousand dollar property that I'm buying, I'm not. It's not a board up. That's not a board up. In Baltimore, a board up is like ten thousand, fifteen thousand, maybe twenty thousand. That's a board up. I don't buy board ups, and I don't do full gut renovations on properties in Baltimore. It's, it's just not for me. It's not worth it. The renovation cost is going to be more than acquisition cost. So I I don't do that. And so I just, in Baltimore, I'm just doing cosmetic. If it's not a cosmetic renovation where I can just put flooring in, um, paint, probably renovate the kitchen and the bathrooms. And that's it. If there's anything on the exterior, like roof, you know, maybe windows, I'll I'll do that. But I try to keep my renovation costs in Baltimore. I'll just say 15,000 below 20,000. I'm not doing gut renovations. Most of the board ups are gut renovations. I bought a property in Harlem Park um, a couple years ago um, from a guy for $8,000. It was on a street where there was like one board up across the street, two board ups on the same side, but there was also investors with contractors um, on the same block renovating property. So um, He owned the property free and clear. It was a probate, called me, um, wanted like 20,000. I negotiated down to 8,000, paid cash for it, closed on the deal, spent $1,500 just cleaning it out. Um, I had a clean out crew come and clean it out. And instead of um, renovating the property, I gave the property to an auction house, an auctioneer, and they auctioned it for me. And I made I think The guy paid $25,000 for it, so I made about 20. Um, what uh, what did I make? Uh, about eight, eight thousand made about 17, 15, 17,000 in a very short period of time. But I didn't want to take the risk of renovating that property, and so um, I spent Iris to answer your question, I spent about 15,000, maybe 20,000 if I can get away with it. Um, on a buy and hold, if I, if I'm running the numbers and I think it, it, if, if it's a good flip for me, I may spend and it makes sense. I may spend up to maybe $30,000, but I try to stay away from in Baltimore. And this is just me personally, um, a, a gut rehab. <clears throat> Gary is saying the nicer, your place, the better quality tenant you will attract. Um, so that's a, that's a great comment. Um the nicer your place, the better quality tenant you will attract. So don't skimp. don't you know, don't cut corners. The tenants take a lot of pride in where they live. And sometimes they frustrate our agents um, when our agents are taking out tenants because the tenants want what a buyer wants. They want hardwood floors, they want granite countertops, they want stainless steel appliances. They want what anybody else wants. And sometimes they'll, I mean, some of the agents on here will attest to this. They'll like they'll they'll be patient. They'll look around. Um, you know, don't look down upon a tenant just because they're a tenant one, or maybe if they're a voucher holder two. <clears throat> you just you don't know what their circumstance is. You don't know where they're coming from. They may be coming from a place where they where they they were a homeowner and and life kind of happened and they, you know, they need to rent temporarily and they want something that fits, you know, their, their standard. So just keep in mind, keep that in mind, but then also um, it's again, it's, it's your investment. All right. So Let's see what the mill is saying. He's saying, okay, I'm thinking of doing a a rehab house hack. So looking for the best place to buy. Okay. Yeah, so all the places that I just mentioned um, between Baltimore and and, um, D.C., I feel as though are the best places. All right, James is asking, and and some of you, Sharvita, Gary, why don't you guys chime in? Um, Allison, as well. Do you still have problems with tenants abusing the property um, after making them nice? And so you, you guys chime in. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, and that's a myth, and and it's real. I mean, honestly, it becomes a myth because it does happen. But I, I'll just be honest with you. It's really never happened to me. Um. And it's because I don't abandon the properties. Um, When they call, I I hop on the issue. I primarily only choose um, voucher holders. So they're in a program. The program makes sure that they take care of the property. And they know it. They know the rules and regulations. The program, let's say it's Section 8. Section 8 comes out once a year to inspect. Section 8 will tell the tenant, these are um, we've inspected, these are the, your responsibilities, landlord, these are your responsibilities to fix, I'll be back in 30 days. If the tenant hasn't fixed those items, they get kicked out of the program. They don't want to get kicked out of the program. The number one need of a human being, the number one need, the number one concern, the number one worry is shelter. They're not getting kicked out of the program. They're going to take care of that property. There was a time many years ago where Section Eight they just rented the properties. They didn't come check. Um, these they check now, and these tenants not only do they get kicked out of your house, they get kicked out of the program and they become homeless. Now they don't. They don't. Section Eight won't kick them out of the house. They'll actually kick them out of the program and then. Um, it's up to you to to evict them. You have to, you still have to evict them. Sharvita um, saying that she hasn't had any problems. Allison said that she hasn't had any problems. Um, Allison is, is saying she she does regular inspections and she screens all of her tenants and and she's really responsive to them. You've gotta be, you can't just buy a property renovate the property, rent it out, and go away and neglect your your asset. Um, For some of you, your rental properties are paying for college. They're they're part of your retirement plan. They're part of what you want to leave for your children, Um, their inheritance. So you got to take care of it. I look at each property as its own separate business and I take care of it. And oftentimes when I go to an area um, let's say I'm I'm going to Annapolis to look at another property or um, I'm going to eat there or whatever um, if I have time I'll just casually just drive by I won't go into the house unannounced but I will go by I will drive by If I'm in an area of Baltimore where I own a property I'll drive by the property just to see what the outside looks like. Oftentimes, the outside of the house actually tells the story of the inside. Um, but then I do, um, I do check, I do check. Um, all right, Gary's saying he doesn't have any problems with his tenant. He he had two Section Eight tenants. Um, when they both moved out, they left um, his house cleaner than when they originally moved in. No normal they just had normal use wear and tear. Absolutely. Um, But it's not to say that it doesn't happen, but you can't, you can't let it happen. You guys, you can't, um, you can't let them tear up your asset. Would you let them come into your personal home and tear it up? So don't let them tear up your investment. Um, Gary's saying he handles all aspects of the rental process himself. Um, he uses a third party cleaning uh, screening service and before he, um, he'll make the final decision and he, uh, he, he'll visit where they, uh, where they live. So that's a good point. I was actually listening to I think a podcast from um, Joseph Osamoa. Um, and he said that he actually goes to where the tenants previously lived or currently live, I should say, um, to see how they kept up that house. And and he'll make sure, um he'll make sure that he actually talks to the landlord. We can't make mistakes here. And so that that's what Joseph does and that's what Gary does. And so that's what that's what we should be doing. Yeah, so so Gary is saying that um They left the house cleaner than when they moved into the same house, absolutely. I mean, I've I've had that happen as well. Um, Let's see, I think we had a couple other questions. Um, These have problems. All right, so you guys, so yeah, I, I like the interior units. Let's see, Jasmine. Okay, so Jasmine has a question. Um, Let's let's just put it up here. Is partnering with another investor the best way to get properties under my belt? And so Jasmine, that's, that's a really great question. I'm glad you asked it. Is partnering with another investor the best way to get properties under her belt? And so actually um, I received a few questions about partnering um, for, for tonight's call. And I would say Jasmine, the answer to that question is absolutely, absolutely partnering. Um, and and I say that for a lot of reasons, you guys chime in. Why, why would you guys think that partnering would be the best way to get started? And I will tell you Jasmine, um, I started buying properties at 23 a year out of college I started buying properties and I was buying and holding properties and my goal was to buy one a year and that's that's what I did. I would buy one a year buy and hold but I made it my business to get really good at finding opportunities. but you know 23, 24, 25 years old I didn't I only had enough money really to buy that one buy and hold but I had these opportunities. I didn't want to, I didn't really know about wholesaling back then. So what I would do, Jasmine, is I had the opportunity. Um, I would find other investors who had the money. Some of you guys know Thurman Battle. Back then I would partner with Thurman. He, I found the properties. He he put up the money and we would flip properties. I was writing down... Um, Rhode Island Avenue this weekend, and I pointed out a couple of the houses on Rhode Island Avenue, like uh, Rhode Island and North Capitol Street, that him and I flipped, like a few right there. We got lucky and got, you know, just got some on right on North um, Rhode, Island, Rhode, Rhode Island Avenue. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we so partnering is the best way. <clears throat> now, so when we say partnering. What, what does that really mean? So here's what it means, you guys, um, as I see it. As a partner, you have to ask yourself, what am I bringing to the table? And what do I need a partner for? And so, Jasmine, as a partner, you, you need either to have money to be able to, or to have great credit to get financing, uh, so financing cash, Uh, be able to find deals, um, have a crew to renovate one of these things or experience. I partnered with some of my platinum coaching students where they had the money, they found the property, but they didn't, they didn't have the experience. So great. Can we partner? Um, Can I bring you in as a partner? I'll put up the money. I have the property. Um, I just need you to, um, your expertise and they use my crew. So I manage my crew and you know we, we, we flip properties. I also partnered with one of my contractors. I found the property. Um, I got the money and the financing for acquisition. Um, my contractor put up all the money for, for the rehab and we split the profits. And so what you've got to ask yourself is, yes, it's great to have a partner to get started, But what am I bringing to the table, and what do I need them for? What do I need them to bring to the table? And so, if you have great credit, um, maybe and you're inexperienced, you maybe need someone with experience. Or if you have great credit and you have cash, maybe you need um, a partner that can find properties for you, um, that have properties. Um, And so, I, I do to answer some of the questions that come in. I do partner. Um, and I've I've partnered with some of you guys um, that I see that's on the call. And, and I'm happy to do so. Um, and so I guess that's a long way to answer your question. But Jasmine, that, yes, you find a partner. Um, there's a there's lots of people actually on this call that want partners, that want to be partners. Um, we have to start networking. We'll network a little better. Maybe, maybe this summer will be because of COVID. I'm thinking maybe this summer, maybe this fall, we'll go back to our um, monthly meetings where we're actually uh, we used to meet at the Marriott. <clears throat> so maybe we'll go back to that. Um, so bring something to the table. What what do you have to bring to the table? And that—that's the question. And if you have something, one of the things that I just mentioned, um, yes, you could. Yes, you have partners. But we do have the, our our mastermind page. We do have our mastermind page where you can go on there to seek partners. Um, a lot of our platinum coaching students, where we actually do network. We we networked at two of my properties this this past Saturday. <clears throat> And then um, I think two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, they went to two of our students' properties, um, Lateef and Allison's properties. They kind of caravan to those two. So they were able to, you know, with social distancing um, network. But um, we, we, we have had um, our, our coaching students partner with each other. Um, so yes, Charvita, I, I have a JV agreement. You guys should have a JV agreement in your toolkit. <clears throat> but if you need a JV agreement, I'm happy to send it to you. Just send me an email or text message, and I'll, um, I'll, 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 I'll send you the uh, joint venture agreement. And then she's also saying, and does one person do the financing in their company name? And so yeah, you do a joint venture agreement and both of your company's names so your joint venture so you're joining together so one llc is joining together with another llc for a common good or common cause, and that makes the joint venture so you're joint venturing out of the out of your llcs to um to form one business and then it'll stipulate in the joint venture agreement Or you'll stipulate in the joint venture agreement, you know which partner is doing what. You set up bank accounts. um, There's even provisions for if one of the partners happens during during the um, during during the renovations um, passes away, and so there's there's provisions for that. And so the joint venture agreement has all of those things. So yes, you 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 do it with your you do it with your LLC. Um, James is asking, "What's the best way to put together a con- contracting crew?" Um, so I, I would say, um, I, I would say the ways that I've, I've found people through referrals. I find I, I have found contractors just driving neighborhoods, to be honest with you, um, pulling up on projects, renovation projects in progress, looking at the work and getting their names. And so I've done it that way. I mean, I've, I've done it through um, Angie's List, through um, Home Advisor. so I've I've done it all all of those ways so that's that's the best way I mean obviously the best way is through referrals to get referrals Um, to be fair I don't like giving referrals because you know contractor might do a good job for me not a good job for you and you guys may look at me and blame me so I don't like to be honest I don't like giving out referrals I mean I will I just don't, I don't like it, but you've got to vet them yourselves. I, I, I have a plumber that I use that I was riding down the beltway and he had a really nice van. He went right by me with a really nice logo on his van and I took a took a quick picture of it and I've been using him, Akeem, I've been using him for probably five or six years um, off and on as my plumber. I have another plumber <clears throat> that he was in the gym and he had a shirt on, um, talk about branding. He had a shirt on that he was working. It was a workout shirt, but he had a shirt on. And on the back of it, it, it had his um, his logo, his number. Uh, I struck up a conversation um, with him, artists. And the last two properties, well, the one in D.C. Yeah, the one in D.C. that you guys saw Saturday. He was the plumber on that. And I met him, I don't know, five or six years ago at the gym. And so I, I have found them different ways to answer your question, um, James. Uh, let's see. And so, so yeah, back, back to that JV. Um, Dietrich is saying opportunity to learn the process for more experienced investors. Um, working with other experienced investors to help with cash. If you're lacking in cash, Nikki is saying, Gary is saying, um, you get um, you get partners for uh, for experience and maybe because of lack of funds um, or other resources. And so, uh, so getting started, you guys, you have you do have to. I believe in partnering. You do have to pull your funds together. And so when I was a young investor flipping properties, I mean, I, I knew it. I was in my 20s. I didn't have a lot of cash. I didn't even, at the time that I got started with that, I was just getting into real estate. I didn't have a lot of cash. But I knew that if I partnered with people, I was happy to split the money. Let's not be greedy. You, um, let's learn and let's save. And let's say to ourselves, we're going to partner. I'm going to partner. Um, with three or four or five different deals, I'm going to save my money. And then I'm going to get to the point, and I said this to myself, I'm going to get to the point where I'm not going to need a partner. And when I got to that point, I, I told some of the partners that I use, and, and I mean, they, they understood, like, I'm ready to get out on my own. Like, I've got the money, I have the experience, I have the confidence you know, I just, I feel empowered, I'm bold, I'm going for it. And if I fail, it's, it's, at least I try. And so I felt like I was ready. And that's what you have to do. And I, and I haven't looked back and I still learn on every project and I've done hundreds of hundreds of projects by now. And, you know, every project is, 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 is an experience, but that's how you learn. But in order to, to, get going and then eventually scale your business you've got to use people partners and then eventually you've got to build you know a staff you've got to know who your architect is I met a new architect today and um, and so I'm always meeting people met a new one today um, I've got now I have like three crews that I can really really rely on um, to renovate my project so I don't have to worry about renovation the renovating part of it i've got crews but i didn't start like yesterday I, I started years ago so you build up to all of this you build up to it now um is asking me a question about subs um she's asking me a question am i the general contractor um and do i hire subs the answer to the question is no i'm not the general contractor um, in most of my deals. Now, having said that, because I just don't have time, I'm running, I'm doing other things, I have other responsibilities, I don't have time to be at the project every single day. Um, but having said that, um, these last two projects <clears throat> that I've done, at the time when I bought the projects, I felt like the numbers were tight. And generally, a general contractor is gonna mark your project up on a renovation site about 20%, 20, 25%. Um, so they're gonna mark it up to pay for their time. And so I couldn't afford that on these projects. So I said, you know, me and my internal team, you know, I have an assistant, um, Susan, so she'll do all the interior work in terms of permits. And dealing with the contracts and the con and the um, inspections and and the drawings and everything like that. And you know, I'll make it my business two or three times a week. I'll go out to the project. She'll go out. Um, you know, my daughter's come on. She'll go out and take pictures. And so it, it's worked well. So I, I the last two projects, I was the um, general contractor, and I did hire. Um, I actually hired the subs, but what I did was, um, some of the crews that I generally use, I didn't hire them as the general contractor. I had them on pieces of like I had one, one of my crews. I said, I just need you to do the exterior of the house. Um, I had another crew just do the interior of the house in terms of the carpentry, the paint, the tile. Um, I know of, um, mechanical, which is um, the HVAC, which was Dana. I have plenty of plumbers and um, I have electricians. So I, I went ahead and and had them do all of that stuff. So that's what I did on these last two projects. And it actually worked out pretty well. Um, we had some setbacks, but it actually worked out pretty well. I would highly recommend though, getting your own general contractor unless um, Charvita you're going to be at that project every day or at least five days a week. You have to be there. If you can be there and you have good contractors, then you can be the general contractor. But if not, I would highly um, recommend hiring a general contractor, at least until you actually learn what you're doing. All right, so I think, can we answer all of Charvita's questions? I think we did, all right. Um, let me see what other questions we have here and then I'll go to the questions. Um, let me see, Gary's, Gary has a question. It says, Greg, have you seen, oh, um, Joseph pod, Joseph's podcast. Greg, have you seen his podcast where he interviewed three of his current Section 8 tenants and they talked about the difficulties of finding a suitable place to live. Wow. Wow. And I'm sure they've, um, they're they having difficulties because there's landlords that they're not renovating the, the um, properties to their standards. And that's probably why they're, um, they're um, having a difficult time finding a suitable place to live. And one thing that I know about Joseph, we're talking about Joseph, His tenants stay. He's got tenants that's been in his properties for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Um, And and it's because not only does he give them a good product, he takes care of them. He sends them on vacations. If they've done well all year long, um, December, you you know, whatever your portion of the rent is, you don't have to pay. Now, he only rents Section 8. I think he gives the... um, the children, like money, if they get straight A's, like he does stuff like that. But why does he do that? Put in the comment section, why does Joseph do all of those things? Why does he do it? Somebody put in in the comment section, why is he taking care of his tenants the way he is and he's treating them well, treating them like humans? Why is he doing that? Somebody put put in the comment section, why is Joseph doing all these things? He's doing those things because he's protecting his greatest asset, which is his properties. And when it's time for him to retire, and obviously he can, you know, he can retire. Um, those properties. Listen to this. Listen to this. Those properties will be paid for. Those tenants are paying for the properties. You give you give a good product. You take care of those tenants. They will pay for the properties for you. You guys, they will pay for the properties for you. Um, and and so that's that's why we do it, and that's why they do it. Um, that's why they do it. They're, they'll pay for the properties for you. Um, so. Let's say Dietrich's saying return on investment. Absolutely. They treat him and the property good. Absolutely. They don't want to leave because no one else is doing it. And so Gary is saying they don't want to leave because they know that they're not going to get that type of product. Absolutely. They don't want, they they're not going to get that type of product. Where else are they in their minds like, where else am I going to go and get this? And so Nikki is saying it costs money to constantly put new tenants in properties. And so that's the killer, you guys. Um, when, When we're talking about rental properties, that's the killer. The killer is turnover. As a landlord, you've got to minimize turnover. Turnover is a killer. Turnover is a killer because now the property is vacant. So now you've got to come out of your pocket to pay the rent while it's vacant. Once they move out, now you've got to spend money on fixing the property back up. And so it's a, it's a killer. And so we want to keep um, them in the property as long as we can. So we've got to run. We if they, if they have an issue, run to them and fix that, because we don't want turnover. We don't want turnover. All right, so Adam BC says, hello, how, how do we determine the ARV. All right. So Adabisi has a question about ARV. And so let's go over um, ARV really quickly. And so those of you guys who are taking notes, Adabisi, take notes. Take notes. And so this is the math. And we'll go over it. I know this is probably elementary for a lot of you guys. But I want to go over it. is asking the question. Yeah, yeah, Maya. All right. So... How are we ter- determining after repair value? And so the after repair value is the value of the property once it's completely renovated. Once it's got all the bells and whistles, what can I sell it for? Um, the high-end comps for an area, that's that's ARV. And so you determine ARV out of BC by finding the like-kind properties in the area and seeing what they sold for. So So a particular area... Um, let's say it's Capital Heights. Um, we want to look at, at 20, 20743. We want to pull the comps. An agent will pull the comps. What's What's the highest properties that have sold in Capital Heights? That, um, let's say the property is a townhouse. That's a townhouse, so like kind property. Um, a similar, what I, I look at is Um, a similar um, uh, square footage. I look at the square footage. Um, Bedrooms and bathrooms I look at, but I primarily look at the square footage. I mainly pay attention to the square footage. And so we're looking at like-kind properties. And then what what has sold in that criteria for the highest price, which means they've been renovated. That's how we determine... That's how we determine the um, after repair value. Now, um, real estate agents, a good real estate agent can find that for you. If you're not a real estate agent, you've got to align yourself with a good real estate agent. If you can't find a good real estate agent, then um, there's other ways. Um, um, I, I actually also use Zillow. And so I, I'll look up a property. I'll go to Zillow, put the address in. Zillow will give me the Zestimate. I'll look at the Zestimate. I'll look at the highest price properties that they use to get the Zestimate. And that's my after repair value. Um, PropStream. Um, if you have the CRM PropStream or Real, real eFlow, um, they will give you um, after repair value as well. Pro- So some of you guys, some of you guys have PropStream and you're not a real estate agent. PropStream is just as good as the multiple listing service and giving after repair value. Um, They use the MLS in order to get their um, after repair value. So PropStream is a a great um, tool Uh, as far as technology is concerned that you should be using if you don't have a real estate license. Yeah, so I'd be saying um, it's the property value of the neighborhood. All right, so that's after repair value. We also need to know, so we know what after repair value is. We also need to know what Mayo is. Mayo is... Mayo is maximum allowable offer, MAO, maximum allowable offer. Um, we need to figure that out. We need to know what to offer so that then we can then renovate the property and sell it for the after repair value. And so MAO, um, we, we have a formula. So BC, so BC is also asking, do we consider um, bedrooms and bathrooms? Yes. The answer to your question is yes, but I would rather you look more so at the square footage. And here's why. You could have a house that's say 2,000 square feet, but the way they have the floor plan or the way they renovated the property with that 2,000 square feet, they put three bedrooms instead of four bedrooms and made those three bedrooms larger. I looked at a um, townhouse Sunday in Upper Marlboro. Um, off of, it was in Upper Marlboro. And this, they had, it was about 1,500 square feet. And when I ran the comps, there was, in the same subdivision, there was three bedrooms, one bath, with the same square footage of two master suites, two bedrooms, two baths. And when I ran, looked at the at the um, the comps, the ones that were two bedroom, two bath, actually sold for the same amount as the three bedroom, one bath. So I look at square footage, but to answer your question, do we consider bedrooms and bathrooms? Absolutely. Um, an appraiser who's gonna appraise the property, they're gonna look at square footage. They'll look at square footage. They will consider bedrooms and bathrooms, but they look at square footage. All right, you guys. Um, but so the Mayo formula, write this down, write it down. Mayo formula for a wholesaler is 65% of the after repair value minus repair costs. That's Mayo for um, a wholesaler. Mayo for a cash buyer, is 70% of after-repair value minus repair costs. So let me give you a quick um, scenario or case study. So let's say after-repair value is 300,000 and repair cost is 60,000. Then we'll take 300,000 times 65%, which is 195,000 minus And this is gonna be recorded, so you guys will be able to play this back. Minus the $60,000 in repair costs, so 195 uh, minus the 60,000 is 135,000. So that's the maximum that you're allowed to offer the the motivated seller if you're wholesaling the property. The Mayo formula for a cash buyer is 70% of the after repair value minus repair cost. So in the same case study, 300,000 times 70% is 210,000 minus the $60,000 in repair costs um, gives you 150. So I'm buying for 150. You're putting under contract for 135. You offer it to me for 150. I say yes. I sign an assignment agreement. You just made yourself fifteen thousand dollars you just made yourself fifteen thousand dollars um and again i know i know we're going fast we're starting to um, run out of time but um so you just made yourself fifteen thousand dollars okay um if you have any questions on mayo um just let me know text me um call me email me if you need to go over it really quickly so let me let me give you guys um, another case study. And this is this is for the hundred dollars. I'm gonna give you guys I'm, I'm in the giving spirit tonight. I feel good. Um, had a great day, lots of meetings today, but but I made it through. So I'm feeling good. Felt like I made some progress, took some baby steps on building my business. Um, so I'm in a good mood. So I'm in the giving spirit. So let's give out some money. So Nikki hit it on the nose. So Nick, Nikki is asking, so our assignment fee is 5%. So to take a shortcut to, de- to determine, um, to take a shortcut to determine what your assignment fee should be or what your wholesaling fee should be, your wholesaling fee should be 5% of the after repair value to take a shortcut, absolutely, 5%. So in this case, after repair value is um, 300000 5% of that, and 5% is the difference between 65% and 70%, the difference is 5%, but to do it quickly if you want to figure out what should you be making on every deal, you determine after repair value and you just put 5%. So if ARV on a property is let let's say it's 400,000, 5% is 20,000. 5% is 20,000. If after repair value on a property let's say it's in DC, it's in Petworth is 800,000, you find out that the after repair value is 800000 and if you're curious to know, like, how much should I be making as a wholesaler? 5% of the $800,000 is $40,000. Now, can you do better than that? Absolutely, it's all, all about negotiating. So you can do better than that, but on average, you should be making about 5%. All right, write this down, write this down. Write it down, write it down, write it down. All right. <clears throat> after repair of value on a property is $650,000. You guys are gonna do the math. First one that gives me these three numbers is gonna win. Here's, here's the case study. We've got a property. I actually have a property in Brentwood that is under contract for $650,000. My repair cost is less than this, is a hundred. As, as it tell. And, Yeah, I don't have my adapter with me to um, put it on the ethernet. So hopefully, so let's just get through this, you guys. Give me give me the numbers. <clears throat> All right, $650,000 is the ARV. $130,000 is your repair cost. Let me know as the wholesaler, you're wholesaling this property. Um, what should your wholesale fee be? And as the cash buyer, what should I put the property on the contract for? Let me know in the comments section if you guys get all the numbers. All right, $650,000 is the after repair value. $130,000 is the repair cost. So do the math. You're gonna have to do the math on what the wholesaler should be putting it on the contract for. Also do the math for what the cash buyer is going to buy it for. Do the math for what the wholesale fee is. Let me know what um, the cash buyers going to buy it for, what I should have bought it for, and then also what the wholesale fee should be. I see some numbers coming up. I see some numbers coming up. They're not really matching my numbers. Let me see. All right. Give you guys about another minute. Another minute. Let me let me verify my numbers because you guys aren't coming up with the right numbers. Let me verify my numbers. All right. So let's see. As, as a cash buyer, I've got $650,000 times 70% minus 130 equals oh my numbers are right all right so so you guys are you guys are giving me two numbers two numbers what the cash buyer should be buying for and then also what the wholesale fee is Okay, I think I'm starting to see some right numbers here. All right, so let's see, let's see. All right, so look, the wholesale fee should be, um, let me make sure I have a winner before I give everybody. I have some partial. No, Eric, I'm not. Oh, let me see. Let's see. I've got a host the wholesale fee looks right. The cash buyer should be. All right, so Danielle. Let me see. Danielle wholesale fee. All right, so Danielle is right. I don't know if she's first though. So Danielle's numbers are right. Um, DJ Supa is not right. Nikki is right. So Nikki's before you, Danielle. So Nikki's the winner in the clubhouse so far. Allison is not right. Karen, let's see where's Karen is not right. Dietrich is not right. Ooh, Eric. Is Eric the first one? Eric is right. Let's see, Eric is now the leader in the the clubhouse. Eric, are you the winner, Eric? Let's see. No, wait, wait, wait. I just saw something. Dana. Dana is right. Let's see, let's start from the beginning. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, um, I think uh, Eric is the winner, am I right? Is Eric first? I think Eric is the winner. Eric was first. All right, so the answer is the wholesale fee is 32500 and I should have put the property under contract for 325000 And I think Dana is first. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Dana. Am I right? Is Dana first? Tina says check hers. Where, where are you, Tina? So, Tina, Tina. Is Tina before Dana? So Tina is right. Yep, Tina Tina's looks like Tina's the winner. Yep, Tina's the winner. Way to go, Tina. All right, so let's so uh, I think Tina is right. Oh Dana. look at Dana. Dana, Dana, you're a good sport, Dana. I think I'm uh, Dana, you're the winner too. Cause Dana I was saying Dana, and Dana looked up and said Tina is first, and Dana's an honorable man. And Dana said, no, it's Tina. I'm going to give both of you guys $100. All right, so look, here's how we got, here's how we're getting the numbers, you guys. Here's how we're getting the numbers really quickly. Uh, So we're going to put in $650,000. That's the after repair value. As a wholesaler, you're going to multiply by 65%, right? Um, You're going to get four hundred twenty-two dollars $422,500 Twenty-two four hundred and twenty-two thousand five hundred minus the repair cost of one thirty equals. So for the wholesaler, wholesaler is going to get the um, get it under contract for two hundred ninety-two thousand five hundred. That's what the wholesaler is putting it under contract for. He's going to put it under contract. Then he's going to do the math for. The cash buyer. And so the math is $650,000 times 70% equals um, 455,000 minus the 130 in repair costs, which is 325,000. <clears> we're going to take 325,000 as a wholesaler, we're going to take 325,000 minus the $225,000. Ninety-two thousand five hundred, and we're going to get thirty-two thousand five hundred. That's the wholesale fee, or we're just going to take the six hundred fifty-five thousand. I mean, the six hundred fifty thousand times five percent, and we get thirty-two thousand five hundred. <clears throat> that that's how we get it. Um, and um, in in order to So uh, I'm taking a live broadcast. So the wholesaler, right? So so Keith Keith Barnes, you're right. Um, the wholesaler is two hundred nine two hundred dollars And so your numbers are right, but I asked for the cash buyer and and the um, wholesale fee. And so Keith, um, let me see. Are you on here? I Don't think so. All right, so Tina, Tina, get a hold of me if, if you um, if you have Cash App, send me your Cash App. Um, Dana, I already have your information. I'm gonna send you your. I, I got busy today, Dana, um, so I'm, I'm gonna send you your stuff when we hang up. Um, so I have Dana's information. Tina, send me your Cash App. I'm happy to send you the money. Um. So, look, guys. That was, that was a good exercise. Yeah, Karen, your your wholesale was correct. But look, you guys, we got to get these numbers right. You guys are going to find deals. You want to make sure that you're offering the right amount to the motivated sellers. You you you've got to know the math. Real estate investing. Look at this, you guys. Listen. Real estate investing is all about the math. You got to get the numbers right. Number one mistake that investors make is buying the properties wrong. Buying the properties wrong, wholesaling wrong. Um, you, you, you have to get the right numbers. You've got to know the math. The Mayo formula has saved me time and time again over the years doing the formula. No, Mr. Miss Seller. No. And I'll say no, 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 no. And I'll walk away, and then and oftentimes I'll get a phone call, you know, we want you to come buy the property. <clears throat> I would rather you walk away from a deal if the numbers aren't right than to take a deal. Say, oh, it didn't meet the mail formula. I'm going to buy it anyway. I should be making 50. I'm happy to make 25. I see a lot of investors do that. Mail formula calls for them to make $50,000. Um the right mail calls for me to make 50, but in this day I'll make 25. I just want to get a deal. I'm happy to make 25. You get into the deal, and a lot of miscellaneous things happen, wipes out that 25. If you bought it right and made the 50, if something happened and wiped out 25, at least you still made 25. That mail formula protects you. <coughs> All right. Um I think I answered all the questions that actually came in. One other thing I, I do want to mention, you guys, one other thing I do want to mention before we get off is I, 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 I got the question today, a couple times today, a couple times yesterday. <clears throat> is this a good market? A few times Saturday, actually. Is this a good market for wholesaling? I got the question. Is this a good time for investing? We hear that it's it's a tough market. Is it a good time? Um, the answer is no better time. There's no better time than now to find properties to flip, to find properties to wholesale. There's no better time. Um, I showed two of my properties, two of my flips. One was in Suitland. I put the property on the market Friday, Showed, showed the property to my platinum coaching students on Saturday. Um, as we were at the property, there was buyers coming in with, with their agents. By Sunday night, I had five offers. All five offers were was over list price. I listed the property for $390. Actually, comps are, are really at $375, to be honest. Um, I said, well, I know it's, it's a um, seller's market maybe I'll list it higher, maybe I'll get an offer higher. Listed at 390, not only did I get the 390, I got one offer at 410 with the escalation clause up to, they're saying, we're happy to buy it at 410, but if somebody beats my offer, I'm willing to go up to 425. Now I'm thinking, I'm happy at 375, listed at 390. They, they they offered up to um, 425. I actually took an offer <clears throat> from one of my agents at 400. So 10,000 over list price. The reason why I took that offer is because they didn't ask for any closing help. The one that, that went was willing to go up to 425, asked for 3% closing and to split the transfer and recordation taxes. The offer I took from my agent was 400, um, no closing help, the, the buyer pays all the transfer and recordation. And so, which which all of that came up to about $15,000. What that other offer asked, the 3% and splitting the transfer and recordation, um, which made the, the initial numbers higher. My, my my property in DC that I also showed, I put on the market for, for 640, I, um, the offer I took was $650. They wrote in the contract that if it doesn't appraise for the $650, they're willing to pay an extra $10,000 above appraised value up to the $650. Neither property asked for, neither contract um, on either property asked for closing costs. I say all this to say this it's a great market, fine deals cash buyers are paying top dollar for wholesale deals paying top dollar 42 percent of all the offers now 42 um, percent um, the sellers or the investors are getting um, they're taking their, they're taking the offers above list price above list price 42 percent. And that's just what I saw on CNN right before I started the cause, looking at CNN, and they had a report, 42%, like, what market are you in? Like, here in the DMV and all these other markets, you know, that we're in, 100%. I haven't seen any listing that got either full price or less. They're all over. So 100%. You know, here and, and all the other areas, we have people on the call in, in other areas, 100%. Um, so is it a good market? Absolutely. You find deals. Um, these, these builders, here's what I'm seeing with the builders. They're like paying top dollar for land right now. They're like in a rush. They don't care if the bubble burst. They're in a rush to, to put up properties. Like that's what they're doing. All right, Allison, I'll, I'll give you a call. Um, so find the properties um, partner. Um, if you don't have the wherewithal to buy, wholesale and get top dollar. I'm, I'm buying, I'm, I'm looking for properties. There's a, a lot of other, um, thank you, Ms. Tate. Um, there's a lot of other cash buyers here on the call. We're happy. If you find a wholesale deal, find a deal you want to wholesale, um, let's do it. Let's. I'm. Um, let, I'm a buyer. There's other buyers out here. Okay. Let's. Let's read. Um. Let's. Let's read Eric's question. Then I'll get you guys out of here. How do you feel about offering an upfront referral fee to folks sending referrals as an incentive, like guarantee a thousand dollar referral fee for referred properties that are closed. I think that's a good idea. You just have to be careful, um, uh, Eric. You're you're an agent, so you just have to be careful about that. Um, you can only give referral fees on off market deals, so just be careful about that as an agent. Um, you know, as an agent, you have to disclose, but as an agent, if it's on the market, you can't you can't pay for a referral. So it has to be an off market deal, and even on that off market deal you have to disclose that you're an agent. But yes, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Just make sure it's an off-market deal. And so Dana is also saying that he's a cash buyer. Look, you guys, um, let's close with this. Um, I appreciate you guys being here tonight. Hopefully there was a nugget or two that you guys are um, able to walk away with. But the nugget, the real nugget I want you guys to walk away with is there's lots of opportunity out here. There's cash buyers that need deals um, and want deals. Um, uh, DJ just asked me for my number. DJ, write it down. Um, 301-351. Let me see if I can put it in. 4513. Okay, there it is, 301-351-4513, DJ. Um, Yeah, I'm happy to go. Congress Heights is my old stomping grounds. Went to Ballou High School, so I I know Congress Heights, know every street in Congress Heights. Um, Let's take advantage of the opportunity. You guys spend an hour and 15 minutes here tonight. Spend an hour and 15 minutes on your business tomorrow. Um, figure out tonight before you go to bed and write it down, what can you do tomorrow um, for an hour and 15 minutes that's going to help you um, make money, that's going to help you take care of your family, that's going to lead to generational wealth, that's going to allow you to have another stream of income. Hour and 15 minutes, you spend an hour and 15 minutes with me tonight Spend an hour and 15 minutes with yourself and work on your business. Do something, one thing, little baby step that's going to lead you to living up to your fullest potential to get you where you really need to be. And so we, we do a lot of dreaming and we set high goals, and you should be dreaming and you should be setting high goals. But here's what I do I force myself, I force myself to take action. And so you've got to force yourself to take action, you guys. Um, everybody dreams and talks about a great life, but very few people actually live that life that they want to live because they don't take action. They're afraid, they're happy with the status quo. No, let's be different. Let's be different. If if your crowd and this is all old cliche, but it's true. I even hate saying it, but if you're the smartest person in your in your group, and your in your crowd, in your clique. Um, you need to get out of there. You, you need to be around like-minded people, but there's tons of opportunity. I get calls from you guys, wholesalers, other people every single day. Um, there's lots of opportunities. And so let's, let's go, let's get it. Like what's the holdup? What's the excuse? You know, oftentimes it's about what's in your mind. It's a mindset. Uh, we talk a lot about in my office mindset and and you know m- you know manifesting a great life. Um, we we have each other. We have great resources, tools. That's not your issue. For most of you guys, your issue is you're not taking action. Sky's the limit, you guys. Sky is the limit, and so let's go for it. And every single day, I'm here as a resource. I'm here to help. I only get my blessings if I bless you. So, put me to work. Let's go. All right. What's what's Rashida saying? Do you have, um, do you have, or anyone here have experience with probates? And so, Rashida, we do have tons of experience with probate. Um, I'm not sure if the probate office is open for us because of um COVID. They might be open, but here's what you need to do, Rashida, and everybody, brand yourself brand yourself, brand yourself, brand yourself. Um, let's brand yourself. Let everybody know that this is what you do. And I feel, I mean, it's been my experience that I get a lot of probates, probate deals because I've branded myself. People are coming to me. Um, with probate, you go to the probate office and this still works. You go to the probate office, you get the new filings, um, you get the personal representative or, or the executor of the estate. You're emailing them, not emailing, you're, you're mailing them postcards or, or yellow letters. You're calling them because you can get the phone numbers. Um, they're primarily going with people that they already know or who they're referred to. And so the biggest thing for you guys is to brand yourself. Keep branding yourself, social media branding. I talked about meeting, you know, my plumbers at the gym. Um, On their car on their truck magnets. Some of you guys have those do those things I'm normally wearing a shirt that has You know my logo on it and I you know, I have hats and coats and all that with my logo I want to be a walking billboard. I want someone to stop me and say hey, are are you into real estate? I've got a house to sell Um, You know, can you assist me? So we've got to brand ourselves I'll give more information once I know that the probate office is back open Um, Rashida, I'll give more information about that. But until then, just keep branding yourself. That's how you guys are going to get deals. But do something. Let's spend an hour and 15 minutes working on your business. That's it. Tomorrow, that's it. Let's go. All right, you guys. Take care. God bless. Um, This recording will actually be on YouTube. And I think we'll, we'll send it out. But it so subscribe to my YouTube channel, and it will be on my YouTube channel. I think you guys are on my YouTube channel now, but subscribe to it. This will be there. Um, look at it again. Let's take some positive steps to make our lives better. We've got people who are depending on us. We've got spouses. We've got children. We've got parents. We've got siblings. They're all. We've got ourselves that are depending on us to be great. Let's be great. Let's not let them down. Let's not let ourselves down. We've got real estate, real estate investing, sky's the limit. Let's go. All right. Take care. God bless. Good night. I'll talk to you soon.